Unplanned Trek. Hello and welcome to Unplanned Trek, the show that ejects the warp core more times than it needs to. That's right, because we just go at our own speed. We do. I'm Andrew. And I'm Isaac. And look, um, this is going to be an amazing episode, isn't it? I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. It's, it's a great episode of DS9, for one thing. Exactly, but in addition to that, we have got a superstar guest. We do. Um, and it's in the title, so you know that, guys. You can oh. read. Yeah. <laughs> and if not, you've clicked on a uh, Star Trek podcast. Well done. Yeah. Well done to you people yeah. who can't read. <laughs> um, we have Bruce Horak, better known as Hemmer, from mm. Strange New Worlds, to help step us through this episode this week. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's got precognition, so he saw it coming. He did. He, he knew this probably even before... He knew of Deep Space Nine. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Maybe he wrote the episode. Maybe he did in the future. <laughs> or in the past. Yeah. Involving a wormhole. Wine. It's not 2024 yet where everything... Oh, everything happens. happens in 2024. <laughs> I can't wait till next year. Next year's going to be fantastic. It is, isn't it? We've got the Bell Riots and we've yeah. got Picard Season 2. That's right. Yeah. We don't need to... Are you hanging out to go to Bozeman, Montana? In 2063 or whenever it is? Well, I hope there's a, a Comic-Con then. Oh, there has to be. Yeah. Well, because the Vulcans are turning up. Well, the, the mayor of Bozeman listens to this podcast. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah. and, um, As I'm... does James Cromwell. Yes. Yeah. 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 Did I always love the fact that Farmer Hoggett invented warp drive? <laughs> like, I mean, he had a pig that was pretty amazing at rounding up sheep, then he invented warp drive. He's also in an episode of Next Gen. Not, yeah. Not as... As Farmer Hoggett. Oh, was it the same? Person? Totally, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's get let's get sensible. Oh, really? Let's, yeah. Well, I'll get sensible. Okay. Uh, you stay as you. Good. And we'll get Bruce on the line. Let's do it. <laughs> well, as it is one of my favourite episodes of DS Nine, if not. The best episode of DS9. Be cool. I thought it would be good to get um, a Star Trek actor on the show to help us talk about it. Now, this wasn't like we got Star Trek actors last year. No, last time I did, I tried to get Patrick Stewart, we got Holodeck for instead. Correct. And this time I've got Bruce Horak from Strange New Worlds, <laughs> aka Hemmer. Hang on, have you actually got him? Hi. Yeah, he's here. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm actually here. Hi, hi. Thanks Bruce, for having me. How you going, mate? Uh, very well, very, very well. Yeah, how are you all? Oh, we're sensational. Absolutely great. I can't believe you've come through, mate. Yeah, and the interesting thing because um, Hemmer was a precog in Strange New Worlds, mm. Bruce knew I was going to invite him on before I even did it. Ah, uh, of course he did. <laughs> mm. Which true. is. Yeah, I knew it was coming. We're, which is good. Well, a lot of people see us coming, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> So for those uh, new or old to the show, we've watched the DS9 episode, The Visitor. In this episode, we've had an accident happening in engineering, which sees Ben Sisko assumed dead by the crew, uh-huh. and Jake Sisko attempting to get on with his life afterwards, only to have it interrupted intermittently by Ben Sisko coming in and out of his life for brief periods of time, asking to have grandchildren. Uh-huh. That's essentially the episode? Yeah, or, 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 or as I was going to put it, um, Jake goes on a massive bender, um, <laughs> smashes a few cones, 
<laughs> and has a really, really, really weird trip. Oh, I didn't think of this as a as a drug episode at all. How did you I, not? No. How did you not think of it as that? I've always, I've, yeah, no, um, you've completely, yeah, this is going to be a completely different podcast to what I thought. Sorry, Bruce. <laughs> I missed all the outtakes. <laughs> uh, apparently so, yeah. so did Jake. Yeah. I, I forgot to warn you before watching this one, Bruce, that this one can be quite an emotional episode, and I actually kept a tally of times that I teared up during the episode. I counted five. <clears throat> Five? Five times during this episode separately. So, which is about an average of one every eight minutes. That means you stopped crying five times. Oh, so yeah. So you could start again. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I guess I was trying to watch the episode. I just cried the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. It, did you have um, an emotional reaction to The Visitor, Bruce? Yeah, this was a tough one for me. I, um, I lost my father to, to cancer when I was 29. He passed away on my 29th birthday. Oh, wow. And uh, he has been, uh, I mean, we had a really great relationship, my dad and I, and he actually got me into Star Trek. Wow. Uh, he was a huge sci-fi nerd, and he was an English teacher, and he wrote his master's thesis on, on teaching science fiction in high schools. And uh, when Star Trek Next Generation was on, my dad and I would watch it together and we would discuss it afterwards and he would talk about the metaphors and the, you know, the beauty, beauty of the writing and all of that stuff because he, he was just a huge uh, fan of, of the genre particularly. So Star Trek for me is really tied into uh, memories of my dad. And so an episode where... You know, that deals directly with father loss just hit me right in the guts. Um, when my dad passed away, uh, I, I went on a huge search for literature specifically about losing your father. And the, the section that chapters or Indigo or whatever the bookstore was that I walked into had this huge section on grieving. You know, like grieving the loss of a child or grieving the loss of a mother, mothers and daughters relationships or spouses or anything. And there were two books <laughs> on father loss. That was it. Wow. One of them was called Father Loss and the other one was uh, Losing an Alcoholic Father, which my dad was not. So I just gravitated towards this one book on father loss. I was really quite surprised about the lack of... Um, literature on it and one of the first things in the book was that getting men to open up about the, their relationship with their dads and the impact that losing your father has on you is just is very difficult at least it was at the time i think things have changed i think we have had a massive movement in um uh opening up and and you know being honest and kind of expressing ourselves and we've got acres to go still of course but uh an episode like this just kicked me right in the guts because um, what Jake goes through, the stages of grief that he goes through in the episode, the five stages. I mean, those were the points where I was welling up. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. he's in denial. He's in bargaining. Here he's in anger. Here he's in, in depression. Here he goes into acceptance. And all those stages are clearly, clearly laid out in the episode. And from from a, a grief standpoint, I thought it was it was perfection. And mm -hmm. I watched it. But the first time I watched it through, I was really just watching to go, okay, which are the good characters? Because that was my assignment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I kind of finished the episode and was like, oh, that's a no-brainer. And I didn't even think about it. But I watched it again today to just go, well, was, was there more to it? Because my, my initial impulse of like, okay, what were the, my top three characters? I just wanted to make sure that I, I, I hadn't forgotten anyone. Because I was really on that first, trip, first watch through just focusing on what Jake was going through. 
Yeah, and then this time I watched it, I watched it more from uh, from uh, Ben Sisko's point of view. And yeah. following that story was like, oh my God, like he has, he picks up a thing in engineering, he fries out, next moment he just pops in and he sees his son, and then boom, he's gone. And then the next moment he sees his son and his son's older, and he's like, whoa. And then the next moment his son's way older, and then finally, like, boom, at the end, is like, his kid kills himself for him. Yeah. And he's back in, in this moment. So for him, there's just been this blip of he watched his son get old and die, sacrifice himself for him, and then he's back holding his teenage son again in that in that one moment. And that, that to me, was just uh, unrealized in my first watch of it. The second watch of it, I thought, that is some good writing. Um, it is. And yeah, from the Ben Sisko perspective as well, he is just so accepting of his and selfless of what he is personally going through and only wants the best for his son. It's quite amazing that, the, as you say, for him, it's probably only three minutes have passed between the start and end of the episode, but he's never trying to solve it or fix things better for himself. It's all about promoting and getting the best for his son, which is, you know, fantastic fathering in itself. It's interesting also what you said about um, novels being available for for grief for, for men and, and fathers, um, and I'm wondering if that is because of how men have been encouraged to deal with emotions and things historically has been essentially, in, in, in particularly our culture, I think it's more been emotions aren't a masculine thing, you handle it yourself quietly and, and stuff. Whereas now I think it's actually more masculine to be able to be vulnerable and talk. I think it's something that we're encouraging more out of our generation and younger now are going to be able to be more equipped to do it than, than anyone else before it. So hopefully there'll be more books. And I think we've actually got quite a few writers that listen into this podcast. Oh, of course we do. Yeah, Many so, of them. So um, mm. there's some ideas <laughs> for, for future nonfiction writing out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks heaps for sharing your thoughts on, on The Visitor there. We're going to go to our first segment now, which is to look at those positive votes that you've done there. The Captain Jean-Luc Picard Medal. Um, named after Captain Picard, we award a 3-2-1 for the best character or or thing. Or anything. <laughs> yeah. Character, thing, writer, person in the... Anybody mentioned in the credits yep. is is, is um, eligible. Once Andrew awarded points to a moustache he was so taken with in this section, but the episode wasn't any good. No, it was a terrible <laughs> yeah, episode, but it was yeah. a great moustache. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. But we, um, we've encouraged Bruce, as, as he mentioned, to have a look at the positive characters this week. So could you reveal to us the three, two, and one of the best characters in The Visitor, please? Oh, well, it's, it's, okay, so can I go from number one? Because oh, yeah, that, that builds that, it up. That's great. That's the way it goes. <laughs> favorite, my, my favorite character uh, in the episode, oh, that's got to be Jake Sisko. Um, you know, he, it's, he, it's his story, I think, the, the selfless act uh, uh, that, I mean, it's that classic moment, like right off the top, where you think, "Oh, it's he's, it's an old man taking his medicine," and that little, you know, bait and switch that we that we that gets uh, revealed and and juicily satisfied at the end. You realize, oh, he's actually he's given himself a time limit and pushed himself to the end. Uh, I thought that was extraordinary. Um, and then, of course, 
Second to that would be the, the journey of Ben Sisko, which I, I missed the first time. And, and initially, my, my second character was the writer who shows up, who, mm. whose name I think is like Madeline or I, I think or it's, Maggie I, I wrote down Melanie, but I can't remember um, her being introduced. Um, do you know who the actress was? No. It's Andrew Robinson's daughter. Oh, Garrick's daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh. Garrick. Uh, really? Yep. Ah, yeah. Well, she. So, so Ben Cisco gets my number two for the reasons that I, I mentioned before with yeah. his journey. And I mean, I, I did find it kind of hilarious that he he brought up grandkids again. <laughs> like, <laughs> really, like, How are you doing? Like, what about the grandkids? Oh wait, wait. How's your writing going? It's like, wait a minute. It's a little backwards from from the classic dad example, but I I can kind of understand it. Um, but yeah, his journey through that throughout, um, and then it, it is a tie for me between the writer and and Nog, who I, I who just kind of snuck up on me with his yeah. this true friend who kind of went above and beyond to like work with him and, and bring get the defiant and bring him back to that moment, and, and he just kind of he's solid throughout the episode. Um, and Nog's and, life kind of parallels Jake's in a way, like Nog's life goes the right way, you know. He he's joined Starfleet. He's become a, I think, a lieutenant early, and then mm. by the end, he's a captain and assembles the old crew yeah. to help his best buddy. Like it's a, he his life has went has gone the right way here. Whereas Jake Sisko's lost his wife and thrown his life yeah. into researching for his father, which is against what Ben would have wanted. But yeah. we wouldn't have got the climax of the episode without Jake kind of sacrificing his life to do so. It's yeah. So with yeah. with those votes, then is that um, was Jake getting the three or getting the one? Oh, Jake is one, then Ben, and then it's a tie between Nog and the writer because we yeah we wouldn't have the story without the writer showing up. Yeah, uh, and and also kind of hilarious that she's she's just kind of there to get his his manuscript with his handwritten notes on it so she can sell it on eBay or, or whatever <laughs> she does. Yeah. Melanie. Yeah, that's it, <laughs> Melanie. Yeah. Melanie. Um, it's interesting you say that because, you know, the three positive votes as well also with, with our show imply the three negative votes. And I've had the difficult task this week mm. of watching this show and trying to find criticism of it. As I said, it's my favourite DS9 episode. So I've had to look at it with, um, yeah, like bad character decisions and things that are coming in it, which means we're actually going to double up a little bit, Bruce. But um, in, a, in a debating sense... Um, this is a hard one for me to win, but it's just slight negative things that I found characters in this episode. Anyway, long introduction. Yes. For, for The Keiko O'Brien Medal. So I've given a point to Jake. Um, for basically letting any fangirl in his house, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, he gets a he gets a negative point for that. Well, dude, if a, if a if a girl turned up at the door right now, fan fangirling about you, you would open the door. But I'd still leave Bruce on the phone. We'd still we'd yeah, still be doing this. Yeah, you should, should, should wait to the end of the episode. But um, I bet you wouldn't. Um, it's unlocked. <laughs> Well, one, it's unlikely to happen, and two, <laughs> Mrs. Unplanned Trek doesn't listen to the podcast, so I think I'm safe. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, th there wasn't any security clearance or anything needed. Basically, it's raining outside, and I've read your short story. <laughs> yeah, come on come in. in. <laughs> I still don't She's see a problem. That's, that's, the, that's the, the Q 
key is that she's actually hurt and bleeding, so Jake has to fix her up. Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, there's a fine line, is First it? First thing he says to her is, you're hurt. And oh, she's yeah. like, oh, let's run into a bridge. Right. And, and I, a... I thought that, too. I was like, that's a little easy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they've they got to get to the meat and potatoes. So I, I think a, a wounded animal, or animal, a wounded human at the door is going to be uh, a little bit easier to take care of. So if you're going to crash... If you're going to crash at someone's house unexpectedly, smack yourself on the head with a brick first. Or oh, just put some sauce there. Like, I, I actually, this is, I'm going to get to this later, but oh, I, don't, I don't buy Melanie in this episode. Ooh. But um, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Because I've got two votes first going to Dax. So she couldn't have kept the call, which led to the problem in the first place. But she also didn't care for Julian's grandchildren's science project. So in the future, oh. you know, all you talk about these days is your grandchildren's science project. And I thought, you know, well, that's okay. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I want to go back to your first point. Oh. Like, ejecting the core yeah. is, surely that is, that's like engineering 101 in Starfleet, isn't it? And like, we'd, we'd everybody have, ejects the core. Hammer would have done it. Hammer would have ejected <laughs> seven <laughs> cores. He would, have, he would have built three more to eject them all. This episode would have been a short trick if Hammer was on it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, three votes I've given to Melanie um, I thought, first of all, that she interjected in the story a fair bit She didn't let, let Jake talk She, mm. she kept on interrupting um, I got she probably faked the injury and got accommodation for the night So she did smack herself on the yeah, head with a brick I, I don't buy that she was injured I think that she just wanted an autographed copy of Anselm uh-huh. And maybe the short stories too It's a bit like Misery, the movie, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It could have gone a whole other way yeah. <laughs> A total other way, yeah I, I even would go as far to say If Melanie was Maxwell That he wouldn't have been let in the door Okay Yeah, I think that um, Jake liked Melanie Oh, well, yeah. yes Yeah, That's a given okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah Yeah So, as I said, a bit of a stretch to find the negative votes So it's not the first time we've had characters get both positive and negative votes, Bruce But, um that's the, that's the and as I said, it was hard to do. Because mm. I love all these characters. <laughs> now, can I just jump in? If if I was doing votes for this episode, mm. I would have given votes to, and I've forgotten the actor's name, but the guy that played adult Jake. Yeah, the guy, oh, yeah. The, the actual actor. Yeah, yeah. Because do you know what else he was in yeah. Star Trek? No, I didn't recognise him. He was Worf's brother, Kern. Oh, yeah. Right, so he's from Next Gen. Yeah, he was Worf's brother, Kern. Like, how cool was that? You know? Wow. Yeah, so I just would have given him votes purely for that reason. Well, he'd give Kern votes. Oh, you've got to give Kern <laughs> votes. House of Moog, absolutely. You know? And Kern was such a, you know, well, he was a bit cranky well, most of the time. Well, he was a bit Klingon. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, yes. But... But I digress. <laughs> Bruce, did you have to work with any Klingons on board um, on the board the Enterprise in your time? Any Klingons? No. Oh. no. Disappointing. Well, may, probably made the episode flow easier without any aggression. I reckon Hemmer would beat a Klingon, though. Of course he would. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. The two Vix medal. Okay, so two Vix medal, um, it, <laughs> there's not much to say. It's someone who dies. Yes. <laughs> well, I awarded a point this week to Ben Sisko. Okay. Yeah, technically, yes. They had a funeral for him. Yep. So they would have, you know, they would have 
divided out his estate. Mm. The, the Deep Space Nine went on without him. They would have given away all of his stuff. Jake would have got it. Yeah. Maybe Cassidy. I would have actually just thought that Quark would have got most oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, Quark would have. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what Quark does. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got Ben Sisko down for a point this week for the two weeks. Fair Mornhub. What we've got for this one is Mornhub. Mm, we do love a bit of Mornhub. And um, where have I got it here? So I didn't... Uh, Corinna and Jake... So Karina being Jake's the wife, wife, yes. She said, yes. do you want to come to bed? He said, I'm not tired. And she said, neither am I. Oh, I wonder what that means. I think they're going to read a book. Ah, right. <laughs> if by read a book, you mean <laughs> penis. <laughs> um, <laughs> he wanted to keep on writing. His book? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if by read a book, you mean... <laughs> Penis. Oh, oh dear. I started that, didn't I? You did. <laughs> and I finished it. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought Jake and Corinna get a point this mm. week in um, in Mornhub. There's a fairly easy point. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> you know, pretty easy to... Um, it, that, that was obvious what we were talking about. What, yeah. like, you've just given the Mornhub point to two people who are, who are married going to bed together. Yeah. It's not that rare an occurrence. <laughs> it's, it's not exactly unusual Someone's boasting over here oh, I've been married heaps of times Don't you know? Excellent Oh, oh I have actually <laughs> I'm, I'm still on first time Oh yeah, a Rookie <laughs> You'll get there eventually Yeah Did um, either of you have any additional thoughts about The Visitor this week? Um, well, no, I have no additional thoughts about anything ever. True. Anyone who's oh, heard this episode, yeah, anyone yeah. who's heard this podcast, will know that. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> and thanks to long-serving, <laughs> suffering fans. <laughs> well, what? what we... I, one thing that, that popped up for me with uh, just speaking of uh, uh, Karenna, the wife character uh, mm. who shows up, and I think she's a painter. Uh, she mentions, oh, I was just finishing this painting and I was on my way home or whatever. And, and he asked her to design the cover of this new book. And That's she gets right. all excited about that. Um, and I, yeah, yeah, it just, it, it, all, it gave me a great deal of hope because they're living in this really beautiful house and they have this gorgeous life together. And she's a painter and he's a writer. And I'm like, oh yeah, in the future, like the artists are going to be fine. Yeah. And uh, that made me very happy. Uh, I was sorry that he got so engrossed in the science because I think if he just stuck with his writing that he could have kept his wife uh, and they could have lived a happy, creative life together instead of him having to commit suicide. But this is just the cynical side of me that sort of popped up <laughs> as I was watching the episode for the second time. And I'm like, yeah, there's a, there's a, few, uh, there's a few images and sort of... Um, side lessons that are kind of being taught i mean ultimately it's a it's an episode about learning to let go and learning to accept your path and, and follow the right path and and also to um you know live in the moment etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's this other that beautiful sort of sideline of sci-fi that we often forget when we're so caught up just in the story it's like the little the little bits on the on the periphery of the episode which i think ultimately make it so much better i loved 
the uh, the prosthetics work as they were aging the characters mm. like Bashir with like whatever he's wearing <laughs> on his face and it's just like I, I love that like I've been wearing prosthetics my whole life I, I always got cast as the old guy in every play I ever did I was like 16 year, years old playing a 60 year old man and like white makeup in the hair and the deep grooves in the face and you learn to slow your voice and, and they're all just yeah, Dax and Bashir, especially in the future. I just love that the little sort of like tip that they have, and um, but also just wearing the hell out of those prosthetics and the makeup. I mean, it's just it's so much fun. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this episode. I'm really uh, really grateful that you suggested that I watch it because um, I have more incentive to finish watching Deep Space Nine, the only series I haven't completed, which I'm sorry right. to say because uh, this was excellent and. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to another. What is it? Four, four more seasons. <laughs> oh, I see. I got lots. I got lots. That is. I mean, you are. I I envy you, Bruce, because <laughs> like I wish I could. Every so often, I wish that I could get one of those, um, magic glue sticks they have in Men in Black. Yes. That yes. just blank. That just blank your memory completely, so I could go back and watch Star Trek mm, the for the first time, time again. Yeah. Um, it, I it, agree. It's, I agree. You know, there's and, and, and it's look, I love the fact that, you know, I can go back and watch episodes over and over and over again, mm. but seeing them for the first time because um unlike my co host here, I'm old enough to have watched <laughs> Star Trek Next Generation when it was on television, where we had to wait <clears throat> a week for the next oh, episode. And I mean I, yes. I I told my son when we watched The Best of Both Worlds, part one, imagine that you can't watch part two for six months. Mm. Like, and he's yeah. he, he looked at me like dumbfounded, like as if that would ever happen. And I'm like, well, it bloody did yeah. happen. Yeah. It happened in yeah. 1989 or some shit. I don't know. It'll um, be about then. Just yeah. One, yeah. one thing you mentioned, Bruce, was that um, I actually quite... The, the fact that um, I am so old now is, is where I love going back and watching Star Trek episodes where they do age people to about the age where they actually are now. Right. Like, um... <clears throat> All good yeah, things. All yeah. good things. The final episode of um, Next Gen, where they had to make Patrick Stewart younger than he actually is now, right? And he looks exactly the same. Um, yeah, Alexander Sadig still looks pretty much, you know, he's aged well. He has yeah. aged very well. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting your journey with Deep Space Nine, um, Bruce. I dismissed it when I was young. So when Deep Space Nine was airing. Um, I was probably between 10 and 16 years old. And for me, it just wasn't as interesting as Next Gen because it, there wasn't the alien of the week. They weren't flying anywhere. The action was coming to them um, rather than anything else. So I didn't really watch it. And it wasn't until I joined a Star Trek fans group on Facebook where everyone was so pro DS9 that I actually gave it a go. So I started at the start and went through it in probably three to six months. And when I got to this episode, I actually um, wrote in that group, you guys didn't warn me about the visitor. I was not emotionally <laughs> prepared. <laughs> and, it, yeah, got a lot of comments from that. And, um, and from that, Deep Space Nine's actually become one of my favourites because I feel like the themes and the things that it discuss um, has aged better than other tracks from that same era. Like, it's Deep Space Nine is more relevant now than Voyager would be now. Voyager mm. hasn't aged as well as Deep Space Nine, I don't think. No, I think you're right. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. There's a great moment in the episode where uh, where 
Melanie, the writer, says, oh, I wish I could go back and read your books for, again mm-hmm. for the first time. And Jake, there's nothing like the first time. And that struck me again today, like, because I was watching the episode for the second time doing my homework. And uh, and he's absolutely right. Like, the the first time that, that episode, I mean, it just gutted me. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Um, I should avoid you first. <laughs> Very, very appreciative that uh, that there's another four four seasons to go with it because, um, yeah, it. Uh, I mean, honestly, the the pilot episode, um, I think it's called the emissary, the emissary, yeah. Peace space not. Yeah, that one like sold me, and I, and I, I do have to. I don't know. It, it, this is going to be a bit rambly, but I have to say that when Deep Space Nine came out, I dismissed it partly because I was in college and and. Um, uh, uh, experiencing life, shall we say? We'll put that in quotes. I was experiencing life at the time and, and kind of lost track of Star Trek. And when I would turn D Space Nine on, I was turned off by the uh, incredible amount of beige. I felt like, mm. oh god, these costumes are terrible. Um, they didn't have a pop to them, I, especially. Was, I, I would look at the security officer who was in this mm. sort of like brown, whatever kind of washed out, and he had no features either. I'm like, mm. well. That, that, that kind of summed up the show to me is like, oh, it's just like this featureless kind of sci-fi. And um, and then I would listen to uh, Avery Brooks's voice and it just drove me. Like, I, I couldn't watch the show because I'm like, oh, why is this man singing all of his lines? Like, and he does <laughs> like, like, like and, and it's operatic almost. And then when I watched The Visitor and the actor, and I, I we should mention his name, but the, the, the actor who plays old Jake, does stuff with his voice where he's catching the song that Avery Brooks uses in his in his in his diction, and he carries everything. He's got the incredible tremolo, and it just all like emoting like it's mm. Shakespeare. And this other actor catches that, so he sounds like his dad. And I get I get told all the time that I sound exactly like my dad. I call my mom, and she's like, "You sound exactly like." And my, I have three older brothers, and we all sound like my father. So that moment in the episode today, where I'm like, "Wow, you have not only captured a great rendition of Jake aging, but you've also captured." what it would be like had we watched Cisco age to that point and then beyond, uh, not only his physicality, but his vocal quality too. And when I, I, I have to admit, I watched, um, there's a documentary called, uh, I think it's called The Captains. The Captains, mm. oh yes. Goes, yeah, he goes and interviews Avery Brooks and I'm like, that dude is awesome. Like, <laughs> he, is, he is so far in the stars. I'm like, oh, yeah. you, are, you are so jazz. Like in the best way, <laughs> like he just lives this improvisation and music and everything. And, and having watched that documentary, I go back and watch his performance in Deep Space Nine. And I'm like, you're kind of a master, dude. Like you, uh, you have uh, he, he can do something with just like when he says, "I am now." He's like, "Are you okay, Dad?" He's like, "I am now." And then there's mm. this pause, and the way he sings his last line, it's like he's playing my heart. And um, yeah, I just. Yeah, it floored me, and I again, I'm I'm really very very thankful that you asked me to watch this episode because it has, uh, yeah, you 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 won, you won, <laughs> you get the medal. I think the the great thing about what you, what you just mentioned there, Bruce, was that like um, when I first watched Deep Space Nine, all I could think of was it's the butler from Benson and it's the guy from Spencer for Hire. 
like Renee Abergenois and yeah. Avery Brooks were big stars of other TV shows right. at the time. Right, okay. Ah, yeah, and I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Spence for High was a great show. You don't, you've got no, no idea. I like saying this, but I'm too young for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't get to say that very often these days. I've got a, I've got a question um, for, for Bruce uh, in um, regards to Strange New Worlds, I, uh, a TV show I believe you were on. Or might still be on. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of, uh, just so, um, for, for, those who, for those listeners who don't know, um, apart from this job, which is an amazing job doing a podcast with you, um, I'm actually an optometrist as well. Um, Believe it or not, are you? Uh, yeah, cause it's crazy. Oh. I know, um, and so I'm I'm always very interested when there's um, interesting things about vision on TV shows. Now there is a scene, and I think it may be the introduction of Hema in the show, where you're in the galley and someone throws yeah. Spock. Spock throws. Was it a fruit or an apple? A carrot. A carrot. Um, and you yeah. caught it. Can I just say how many takes? <laughs> Well, do you want do you want like me to give away the secrets of how that scene was shot? Oh, oh, yes, because no one else will know. It's only yeah. between you. Yeah. It's, okay. it's just us well, three here. We did, we did several takes. Uh, the first the first way that it was shot was that Ethan tried throwing the carrot to me, yeah. and I would just put my hand up to catch it, and he just kept consistently throwing it, and I would consistently miss it. A couple of times where it sort of skipped out of my hand, but I really wasn't looking. It was just like, and go, and he would throw it, and he'd put, put my hand up and try to catch it, and it didn't quite work. So we uh, did it where I held my hand up, I popped the carrot back to him, he caught it, and they played the film in reverse. Oh, seriously? You, you, what you should have... It was all on Ethan. It, I mean, obviously, his throwing was bad. Yeah. He's not known for his throwing, no, is he? Yeah. No, no. So it wasn't your catching. Your catching was magnificent. I just, I just, I've, I've watched that scene over and over and I just think it's so fantastic. And well, I'm sorry to spoil it, but that's the magic of filmmaking. <laughs> I love it, that scene we as well. We all day trying to get that, but I'll, I will say that the, um, when I read that scene, because that was the scene I auditioned with. Oh, wow. Um, get the part and at the end of it um in the original text uh i'm i think i'm cutting a cutting an apple maybe or cutting up something and then at the end i'm supposed to throw it up in my in the air and catch it in my mouth and for the audition i practiced i had little baby carrots and i practiced for like an hour and a half beforehand just trying to throw things up and catch them in my mouth which i've never been very good at so it would sort of bounce off or whatever and um yeah, just out of a fear of blowing the take for my audition, I decided instead to, uh, I was cutting apples and I, I uh, finished the take by juggling because that's something I taught myself <laughs> to do when I was uh, 12 years old. I taught myself to juggle, so Hammer would juggle at the end, but uh, it didn't quite read for the camera, so we went with the carrot. I love in that <laughs> scene where Uhura says to you, um, did you know I was going to ask that? And you, you go, no, everybody asks that about um, the precognition. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. It just reads so yeah. well. Hi, I'm Earl Grey. And I'm Jack Dorino. We are the makers of Let's Talk About Treks. It's an episodic review of today's best visions of the future. That's Star Trek. We do deep dives on every episode about a week after release. We hope you'll join us. It's fun. It's exhausting. It's funny. It's strange. You're strange. We talk strangely about Star Trek. We do. You do. We both do. And we hope you'll join us. You can find Let's Talk About Treks wherever you listen to podcasts. Mm. So, we've now had a journey... 
through one of the most fantastic, amazing episodes of Star Trek <laughs> with yeah. one of the most fantastic, amazing actors from a completely different Star Trek show. That's right. And the temptation would have been to watch a Strange New World show. It, it would have been, yeah. but that would have been far too planned for Unplanned Trek. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the random number generator is what we abide to each week. We absolutely yeah. do. So, so, so look, it's... Um, Bruce Horak, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. My, my pleasure, and thank you. Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun, and all the best with the pod, you guys. Thank you very much. <laughs> we'll, um, we'll, we'll catch you around soon. Thanks so much for being part of our show. You betcha. Take care. It's just not what you'd expect. That's because it's unplanned trick. Unplanned. Unplanned. Unplanned.